Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. For me and my family, I've shown you this many, many years, but we change it up every year. So Melinda spends a lot of time decorating. She likes nativity scenes. And so one of the, one of the Christmas traditions uh, that we have is uh, we like to help her decorate, Creed and I, uh, because she's, she just doesn't know exactly how to put those finishing touches on them. So, so this is our decoration for this year. This is the nativity scene that we helped with. Uh, right there. You can zoom in a little bit to see that's Mary and Joseph with a chosen child, Django Fett. And so that's, that's, and we, sometimes it's very subtle, sometimes it's very big. And I've shown you that every year, I think. And so what I don't want you to think is, okay, well, he's just recycling old stuff, old sermons. That's not true at all. So uh, I really do my very best to bring a fresh word from God every week. So I'm going to do that again today. Um, and so I'm going to give you a brand new tradition that maybe you're like, man, we would like to have a tradition like that. What could we do as a family? So I have discovered something um, that Ikea has that would really help you with your uh, holiday traditions. So Ikea in the UK uh, are giving away this this year. That is a 10-pound meatball. All right, that's not a joke. It is a real thing. Now, I, I, I love this picture because it's like serve the traditional old world way. Yeah, you know, like, I love meatballs, but that grosses me out. I mean, that is a 10-pound meatball. I just can't imagine at Christmas just like slice me off another slice of that meatball. So, um, so they did, they did, they, they actually hid it in the store, and if you found it, you just got to have it, which is sort of funny. You're like, well, what am I going to do with a 10-pound meatball? You know, like, so that, I think that's a fantastic tradition if you're looking for something new. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2 today. Matthew chapter 2, what does it look like after you have an encounter with God? Like when God shows up in your life, like he did with Mary and Joseph and the wise men and the shepherds, what happens afterwards? Man, if you really and truly want to encounter God in your life, what can you expect once that's done? Because there is a moment that it happens, but then there are some patterns that we see throughout Scripture of what God does next. And so I want us to do that because I want us to be aware, because sometimes I think we say to God, hey, God, I want, I want to experience you during Christmas. I want to I have a new presence of you in my life. But we don't really understand what we're saying because truly what God wants to do afterwards, sometimes we're like, whoa, 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 that's not what I meant. I meant you fix all my problems and make everything smooth right where I'm at. So let's look instead, we're going to look at two passages, Matthew chapter 2, so keep your Bible open, of what happened. So this is Mary and Joseph immediately after they have had Jesus. And so after they were gone, the they is the wise men. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and he said, get up, take the child, take his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, he took the child and his mother, and he escaped during the night, and he escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death, so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. So 
Here's the big idea, and then we'll unpack it. Staying the same is never an option. Once you have encountered Jesus, staying the same is never an option. We never see an encounter with God where God says to the people, hey, you're doing great. Don't change anything. Stay right where you are. Do everything the same. In fact, why would we need God's encounter in that moment? Staying the same is never an option. The moment that they have Jesus, then they're thinking they're going to go back home. Because if you'll remember, they're from Nazareth, but they had Jesus in Bethlehem. So they're from North Israel. They had Jesus in South Israel. They think they're about to go back home. And, and God says, oh, no, 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 no. Some other things have come up. And the major one is that Jesus is in danger. And so God fulfills his protection by sending them to Egypt probably for a couple of years. And so, so Jesus is moved. Now, they would have had plans for when they went back home. They would have had a place to stay. They would have had the nursery ready. They have uh, friends and relatives there that can pick up some of the slack of a new baby. And all of that is gone. No, no, no. I need you to move. I need you to go someplace different and new. Staying the same is never an option. And so it's not as if to say, hey, if your life is great, don't, don't ask for an encounter from God. That's not what I'm saying. Because God knows what's coming, and change is truly constant in our lives. And so God can oftentimes take us out of a potential problem before we ever even experience that problem. Why don't we want to do that? I think there's two reasons. I think the first reason is a faith reason. For some reason, we can trust God, that God is uh, able to save us from our sins, that God is on the moment of our death able to take us into heaven. But for some of us, we have a really hard time believing that God is a good dad who loves his children, who has their needs in mind and will provide that, who has their wants in mind and will provide that, that he's just a good dad. And some of you have lived in a life of, okay, well, God saved me, but you live in a hopeless life. Like, what I have right now, that's all I'm going to have. That's all I'm going to experience ever. And that's not true. Have faith that he is a good God, and he really does have a plan for you. And the Bible says a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. Don't exercise your faith in salvation alone. Exercise your faith in daily living that he has something for you. That he has new and different and better for you. The second reason... I think is that we have a tough time sometimes with the lordship of Jesus. With the lordship of Jesus where Jesus says, I want you to move. I want you to change. And maybe he doesn't tell us why. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you guys know rebels? I've known some rebels in my life. And some of you, frankly, are rebels because you're the one sitting there going, I'm not a rebel. You are, all right? That's how you know, all right? The, there, there is a personality type that is, that is a rebel and a rebel hates to be told what to do. A rebel hates to be told what to do. Even if the person telling them loves them and gives them good advice for their own good, and they know that's true, they still hate to be told. They absolutely, like, they're the kind that will be like, that's good advice, and that, but I'm just going to do it over here. That way I can do it my way. There's a, there's a rebel type, and it's a lordship problem in your life where you basically tell God, listen, you don't get to tell me what to do. I'll choose. Or maybe you can suggest, and I'll take it through my filter and see. And there's a lordship problem with that. 
And in this case, uh, the angel tells Joseph why he wants him to go down, that, that Jesus is in trouble. But the rebel gene really kicks in when change occurs. Man, when something new and different is on the horizon. And so we've got this problem in our midst. Especially think about Mary and Joseph. Think about the questions they will have. Well, how will we support ourselves? Where will we live? What will we do? What, you know, like just how will we physically go um, to, to this long distance journey? It's a, somewhat of a journey back home. It's a way long distance to Egypt for them, several hundred miles. How are they going to do all that? They have to trust God. So here's what I wrote. God intentionally puts us into places of discomfort. Why? So we can grow. It won't be easy. You can be assured, though, it'll be best. We grow in discomfort. We grow in new. We grow in challenging. We grow through pain. We grow, and God wants us to grow. He says, I've been proud of you. You're doing good. Now I'm going to put you into an environment where you have to grow. Now, this is very anti the way we parent today. By, the, by we, I mean you. All right, so, so, all right, so. Here's what I, really and truly, I see this as this huge detriment in parenting today. There is this idea in parenting today that says, don't let my children experience discomfort. Don't let them experience anything. They're like, well, he wants this. Well, I don't care what he wants. That's not best for them. And so, so many times, and, and psychologists call it lawnmower parents. Lawnmower parents walk in front of their parents, and they always have the lawnmower, so it'll be smooth and nice. Just come on, and look, kid, I want to go over here. Okay, I'll go over here. No, I want to go over here. And, and, then, and, and we see this many times. If you haven't seen this and you're a parent, you probably ought to look in the mirror because it is a very, very pervasive idea that we want our kids, and we don't want to hear them say, I don't like this. I don't want this. We, you very seldom hear parents go, well, I don't care what you want. You're two. You don't get to decide, right? Instead, well, oh, you know, what, do you, what does he want? What do you, and, and so you've got to be careful. This is, this is God showing us parenting by how he does to us. It's saying, look, I get it. It's not fun to have to grow up. It's not, it's so much better to be in comfort all our lives but discomfort is where we get growth from. And I want you to grow. So I'm going to purposely put you in a place that's out of your comfort zone. I'm going to purposely put you in a place that really challenges you in, in, in what you're used to. And by doing that, you're going to grow. And I'm going to encourage you, and you're going to fall. And that's kind of embarrassing in front of people. I get that. But that's how we grow, son. That's how we grow, daughter. I need you to experience some discomfort. Now, in this text and the text that we uh, will read in a second, he says one of the reasons, which is really interesting, he said, the prophets say that out of Egypt you will come. So he had to go to Egypt so that we can once again have another verifiable proof that Jesus is the true son of God. So he goes to Egypt so that he can come back home in the next section that we'll read, out of Egypt. It's a prophecy. In other words, God has this amazing tapestry planned out for the entire world for all generations. And you have a string in that tapestry. You have something that you have to fulfill. And he has a plan for you. And you've got to be willing to listen to him when he says, because he's like, this is your part to play. This is your time to be a part of the plan that I have 
for you. I want you to see this. And so live in prophecy that God has a plan for your life. So he's going to move us. He's going to char- uh, uh, cause us to have some discomfort in that. But how does he actually do it? Like, how do we know that God's doing that? So, so I want us to read this next section, and I want you to pay attention in the text. Listen for the times the, of the ways that God tells them or God shows them what to do. All right? So this is uh, Matthew 22, uh, chapter 19. So after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt saying, get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, because those who intended to kill the child are dead. So he got up, he took the child and his mother, and he entered the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was uh, ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the region of Galilee. Then he went and he settled in a town called Nazareth to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. So, how did God tell him what to do? The Bible says in this text, he gave him a dream. God spoke to him in a dream, and then God literally spoke to him in the dream in an angel. I've actually had a couple of dreams where God showed me something, but they were, they were dreams, and later on, God, God fulfilled those and, showed, and, and spoke to me in a different time. But in this one, he spoke right there. So, you've got dream and then direct communication You've also got circumstances where, Paul, or where uh, Joseph sees this very difficult uh, in this area, like it could be problematic because Herod's son is now ruling in Judea. That's the area around Jerusalem. So he goes back to his homeland in Nazareth. So you've got a dream, you've got direct communication, and you've got circumstances that make for a wiser decision. You've got several ways that God communicates to us. So how does God do it for you? Like, what's going to happen for you if God wants to speak to you, and how is he going to do that in this next season? So, so let's look for a, a couple of things. Um, here's the way that you really and truly, you want to get yourself so that he can speak to you, all right? The first is, put yourselves in places where you're listening. Can God break through in the middle of a concert to speak to you? Yes. Will he? Probably not. He speaks to you most often when you are focused on him. Sunday morning during church, in your Bible study, uh, God has spoken to me many times. God speaks to me often uh, at conferences where I'm I'm concentrating on what the Lord wants for me. Because I'm, uh, I don't know if you know this about me, but my relationship with River Valley tends to be one of talking, not listening, all right? So if you talk back to me, I'll go, "Uh uh-huh, but if you do it twice, I'll be like, shh, and I'll call security on you, all right? So I I don't listen very well in this environment, to be honest with you, all right? But I do listen at conferences, and I am asking, so God speaks to me a lot during conferences, so so you've got to put yourselves in environments where where you're listening. Don't don't just expect him to break through. Can he? Yes. But put yourself in in an attuned environment where you're actually listening, saying, I want to hear a fresh word from you, God. This is my life. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm planning. This is what I'm thinking. What do you think about that? And then be quiet and listen and see if God will speak to you. Secondly, Joseph by this time has a long track record of God speaking to him telling him what to do, and then actually following through with that. Joseph was about to divorce Mary because she, was, uh, she had the baby out of wedlock, and Joseph and her hadn't been together yet. She was a virgin. But the angel said, no, 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 no. 
This is, this is a different deal. So she li- he listened to that, even though it, might, it meant ridicule in his own town. And then he listened to him. When he listened to the angel when he said, go down to Egypt. Now he's listening to the angel when he's saying, go back home. He's listening. He has a, a long track record. And so if you continue to listen for God, but he doesn't say anything, go back to the last time he talked to you and ask yourself, did I obey? Did I listen? You can't be selective in doing that. And God's not going to give up on what he originally told you. So when God speaks to you things like, hey, I want you to be a part of River Valley. Like really and truly connected. We love, we grow, we give, we go. Not just a Sunday morning attender or an occasional Sunday morning attender. I want you to be connected. Listen to that. Listen to that. He will start there. And then as you do that, he'll give you some further directions along the way so this is the way i think it most uh normally happens you're you're in an environment where you're listening and you've had a track record of doing what god says to you along the way and he says something new out of the blue he says something new and it might be it might be big and overwhelming like go do this as a job it might be kind of small like go talk to this person sometimes i mean it could be either way and and you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, if you're like me, you're like, okay, was that God? Uh, like, I mean, you, you know, because it's, it's, it's is, is that really how God speaks? And if it is, like, God, are you saying that right now? And it's an internal impression most of the time. He's speaking to you through the Holy Spirit that is inside of you. And you're like, hey, I think I, think I just heard God say this. So let me give you four tests that help you discern, okay, is this really, really God, or did you get a hold of some bad enchiladas the night before? Uh, because you don't want to, you want to base your life on what God says, not on a, you know, fleeting moment, okay? So, so four tests. The first test is the revelation test. Is it biblical? Revelation means reveal, say something new. So God has revealed to you, and he's told you, okay, I want you to do this. And, and, and you're like, okay. Well, the first test is, okay, I need to look and see if this is biblical, if this is, if this is aligning what God is telling me with God's word. And so <clears throat> let me give you an example. So several years ago, I was driving home. It was the end of the week, so I was, man, I was jamming out, uh, just enjoying my time. And uh, one of the great modern prophets of our era came on the radio. This is a, a picture of him. Billy Joel, all right? Or Billy, Billy Joel, Billy Idol. <laughs> very different, very different. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> your mom loves Billy Joel. She doesn't know I like Billy Idol. All right, so Billy Idol comes on the radio, white wedding. All right, so I'm just driving home and I'm jamming out. It's a nice day for a white wedding, right? And I'm thinking about my wedding. I'm just jamming out. Woohoo! This is great. So after the song, uh, they play commercials. So I flip to another station and Billy Idol is on that station singing White Wedding. All right, so twice in a row. And I'm like, well, this is a sign from God. The first time I was listening to it, and I was thinking about my own white wedding, but the, the words say, it's a nice day to start again. So I think, okay, well, God is telling me I had one white wedding. I need to find another wife and have a new white wedding, right? Because two wives, right? Like, I mean, what could go wrong? They'll love each other, right? So, so I go home and tell Melinda, you know, my great revelation, and the Holy Spirit speaks through her in a way that, 
right? Now, it's silly. I, I get it, all right? The, the, all the Billy Idol part was, did really happen to me. So, but I, here's the deal. I am the leader of River Valley. Like, I am the leader. God has called me to that responsibility, and I take it seriously. I am not the authority of River Valley. I am not. Jesus Christ is the authority as revealed in his word. And if I ever say anything, even as the leader that says, here's what we're doing, but it is not a biblical ideal, then you have the responsibility to stand up and go, boo, boo, heretic, and run out. All right, I mean, I'm telling you right now. Because I am not the authority. God himself is the authority as revealed in his word. And he's the same in your. You're the leader of your own life, but Jesus is the authority. Jesus tells you what to do. So Mel and I, um, I've been watching a lot of uh, cult documentaries this year, like a lot. Like, uh, so if, you know, River Valley doesn't work out, I can start my own like that. I mean, I'm, I'm ready right now. And uh, what, what's interesting about them is that so many of them start with the Bible. So many of them start as, as either Christian or quasi-Christian in nature. And then all of a sudden, the leader gets a revelation. God tells the leader this thing, and everybody just does it. We saw one the other day where, where this is a, a group that, that reads from the Bible and preaches it every week. And God was telling, you know, telling the leader that they shouldn't eat this certain type of food, that they, shouldn't, that they should uh, stay away from this certain type of food. And no one stood up and said, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible warns us as church people that you are never to listen to a pastor. This is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Never to listen to a pastor that tells you what you can and cannot eat. Never. Like, that's one of the ways that you see that that, that person is is right with God. And so this person was telling everybody, but nobody nobody said, hey, the Bible says not to do this. Because he was telling them, well, here's what you can eat and here's what you can't eat. And then a couple weeks later, well, here, I got some more revelation. Here's what you can eat and here's what you can't eat. And uh, the guy was a horrible person. Horrible, horrible person. But it took years to unwind. Listen, don't listen to anyone, even in authority positions, who is not speaking the word of God to you. And frankly, that ought to scare you if you don't know the word of God. Because I know it pretty well. And I can pull out, if I wanted to, I could pull it out and twist it and make it philosophically fit. But you don't want that. You want the easy, understandable translation. This is a book that is not meant to be just understood by people who read Greek and Hebrew. This is a book for you. The Bible is a book for you to discern your life. So, so look into the Bible. And is this is what I'm feeling. Is this, is this revelation? Is this a biblical revelation? The second test, the repetition test. Is it pervasive? Is it pervasive? Now, God is good to us. If God gives you a, a, something that he wants you to do, and you walk away once, and it's a major thing. Marry that person. Go to this school. Major in this. Change your job. Do this with your money. Major, major things. Then God is good because he knows. Think about it. He's like, man, is that really what I'm supposed to do? I mean, I felt all emotional during that moment. Man, the band played the exactly right song. And I, woo, 
you know. But, but is, this, is this something that is pervasive in my life? In other words, God is good and God's not going to let it go. And he's going to tell you over and over and over again. He's going to back it up. It's going to be, in fact, if it's a big thing, every Bible study. Man, every time you talk to somebody, every church service, it's going to be overwhelming how much he's going to speak it to you. Is it pervasive in how it's going? So you need to look at that and say, okay, is he saying this over and over again? That's the way God works in these moments. And this is really true, by the way, if you're ever feeling called into the ministry. If you're ever feeling called into the ministry and you're like me, you didn't have a ministry family so it's not like I, I looked at my family and I was like, oh, I'll just be what dad did, you know, that kind of thing. And God was calling me, and it was every Bible study. Every, I mean, I was, I was talking to one of my friends one day at, at work. I was working for a trucking company at the time, and he said something about his dad. And I said, what's your dad do? And he said, oh, he's a, he's a preacher. He's a Baptist preacher. And I was like, can I talk to him about that? And he goes, he would love to talk to you. And, man, he bought me dinner, and I was like, I kind of think God might want me to preach, but I don't know what that looks like. He was like, let me show you. And it was this pervasive over and over and over again. It was very obvious that that's what God was calling to. So if you're making a major decision off one fleeting feeling, be careful. He will speak to you again in that. Number three, third test is the wisdom test. Is it recommended? The wisdom test. This one you need to be careful with. Because this is where you get other people involved. If you have a spouse, the first person in the wisdom test ought to be your spouse. Now, the wisdom test does not say, is it smart? All right? If you look for smart, you're going to miss out on God because God sometimes says, go do something. And everybody's like, that's crazy. And you're like, I know, right? But, but that's what he's calling me to do. So don't look at the wisdom test as, is it smart? No, no, no. Is it recommended by who? People who are wise. People who are wise, not smart, wise. Wisdom is an action word. Wisdom is knowledge that has been applied. So find someone who has done what you think God is calling you to do and ask them, hey, this is what's happening with me. You think, you think this, is, this is real, this is accurate? You know, if you're being called into ministry, go talk to somebody who's been called into ministry. Don't ask your buddies. What do you guys think? They'll be like, nah, I don't think so. You're a total loser. I mean, the, the, and, and God will say, that's why I picked you a lot of times. No, 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 no. You've got a wisdom test. And, and wisdom tests a couple things. Um, don't ask just people necessarily who've been Christians for a long time. That doesn't guarantee that you're wise. I know a lot of Christians who've been a Christians for a long time, but I've not seen growth in their life. I want the wisdom test, somebody who, who's really stepped out on faith. I mean like way out, where like if God doesn't show up, you're like, we're going down. That's what you want. You want if you're going to make that kind of decision, you want somebody uh, who's made that kind of decision as well. God, what does this look like? What, is this, what does this feel like? Ask, ask those people. And then also, I've, I've also often had, um, when God is calling me to do something, there are a lot of people who are good Christians and maybe godly Christians who will try to talk me out of it. So what you're not trying to do in the wisdom test is get like a poll. Hey, how many of you think I should do this? Raise your hand. How many of you think I shouldn't? Raise your hand. You, you know, and hope, hopefully, don't, don't do that. Ask one or two strategic people for input and ask the Holy Spirit to highlight what they are saying. Maybe the answer is yes, but not now. 
God often does that. Maybe the answer is, I, you know, there's some things that I would want you to work on. Maybe there's some things that you're saying, hey, I think you are trying to emulate someone's life and the effects of that where you're not trying to actually imitate what they did. So ask people the wisdom test. Is it recommended? Fourth test, number four, is the calling test. Is it congruent? The calling test. What is your calling? What is God calling you to? And congruent means harmonious. Congruent means agreement. So think about it this way. All right, so we're right down the road from SpaceX over here. All right, so there are a lot of engineers at SpaceX. They're going to put people on Mars. They need engineers. They don't need just dreamers. They need people that can actually do math. And so can you imagine if somebody came up to me and said, hey, you should come and work at SpaceX. And I was like, I don't. I don't really have any skills like uh, to worry. And they're like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, they, they love hiring bald guys. And so, so, you know, and so you're like, you can just go over there and work and make more money and everything will be great. And I'm, I start looking into it and it's true. And I'm like, man, I, you know, and it's kind of tempting. I've been doing this for a long time. Well, can God call me to do that? Yes, but that opportunity is so far out of my calling. I'm not an engineer. I'm bad at math. I, you know, don't know anything about the field. I'm halfway through my life and all of the decisions I've made previously are leading me to this place and this time. That's an opportunity, but that's not a good fit. Now, I like some of what they have. Maybe they're, they're, they want me to be their new CEO, right? And you're like, woohoo, you know, maybe they want me to be their chief engineer. If that's true and you're an astronaut, you're going to die. I mean, for sure, right? 100%. Man, I'll be like, what do you do? Where do you lie to that? You know, like, I don't know how a rocket works. So, so congruency means harmony with your life and what God has done. Now, can God take you off path? Absolutely. But he's going to make that so clear through the others that this one's going to be like, okay, this one, this one really, like, it's, it's a brand new day. It's a brand new thing. But the calling of God in my life is going to be building on what he's done in the past up to this point in the same way in yours. Now, again, God can do whatever he wants, but when you apply these tests, you'll be able to look, and there are times where God will call you to deep water through these. That's how we found River Valley. That's how my wife and I found River Valley. Man, it was, it was off of my radar to, to plant a church. In fact, I tell people all the time, when I was in seminary, uh, I was training to be an evangelist, traveling evangelist, and I did that for a lot of uh, several years. Um, and when they had church planting uh, seminars, I skipped them every single year at seminary because I was like, I'm not going to be a church planter. I don't need this. I would skip them and go to Krispy Kreme every single time. And that's why I'm stupid and fat. Like, I mean, you're just like, would have really paid attention if I knew, right? But then all of a sudden, man, I started, I started reading about it, and I, and I did an aptitude test, and I started talking to people who were, who were involved in this, and I came home and I told Melinda one day, I was like, I've never thought about this before, but I think we could do this, and I think we could be good at it. Like, I think we could really, in fact, I think we could be better at this than if we took a church and tried to steer them in a new direction, if we just started from scratch. And so we did, and, and the wisdom test, we did the, the biblical test. It was, it was in my calling, it was in my uh, other people. We, we began to pray about places. Did you know that we prayed? God will go anywhere in the world. 
We'll go to Thailand. We'll go anywhere you want us to. But if it is your will, Jesus, we would ask to stay in Texas and preferably the hill country. It's just so pretty there. I'd love to go. I'd preach down in this area several times. And I always thought I'd love to go be there more. And all of a sudden, God began to open these doors. And God began to spiritually transform us. And, And it's been the most joyous thing of my life. I can't imagine doing anything else. Like, it's so much fun to get this to happen. Here's my encouragement for you over Christmas. God, the incarnate God who came into the world in flesh, has a message for you, has a plan for you, has something new and wonderful. It is an adventure to go on with God. Put yourself in a place over this Christmas season where you are available to hear from God and are willing and able to say, God, in faith, I will follow you. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Right where you are, you can't follow God if you're not a follower of Jesus. So let's make sure that you're a follower of Jesus today. When we talk about the revelation test, is it biblical? Have you ever thought about how much Christ's crucifixion on the cross aligned with the Old Testament Bible? In the Old Testament, they had to pull a lamb, and it had to be perfect and spotless, their very best. In the New Testament, when God used Jesus, the Bible said he was tempted in every way, yet he was without blemish. That literally... Jesus was without sin. He was the best. In fact, he was perfect. He was without sin. The high priest would condemn, in the Old Testament, would condemn the sheep to die or the lamb to die. To cover over, because the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. In the New Testament, without knowing it, the chief priest condemned Jesus to die on a cross. And Jesus was whipped. Jesus had crown of thorns put on his head. Jesus had nails driven into his hands and his feet. Jesus had a spear pierced into his side. And as his blood ran, it is the forgiveness of sins. The high priest would take, in the Old Testament, would take that blood and would sling it, would sprinkle it over the crowd in the symbolic way of showing Hey, that we can have our sins forgiven. But this is where you and I are different in the New Testament. We have to willingly walk under the blood of Jesus Christ. I hope you had parents that raised you in church, but they can't make you get saved. They can't bring you under the blood. They can lead you under the blood and say, come on, follow us. But you have to make that decision for yourself. So today, if you've never walked under the blood of Jesus Christ as he dies on the cross for your sins and for mine. As he proved that he was the son of God, that he was buried in the tomb and he was resurrected from the dead. Today, will you ask Christ to forgive your sins through that event? Today, will you ask Christ and declare to him, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you were raised to eternal life.
Is God telling you to do something? If not, be still and quiet and just say, God, I need you to speak a fresh word in me. It gets boring doing the same old thing. It's not good for us. But if you're willing to say, God, I want you to speak to me and give me directions and a fresh word, then be careful that you really mean it. Because you don't get to tell him what to tell you. You have to open up yourself in faith and say, Jesus, I believe that you're like a dad who takes care of the needs of his children, who protects his family, who enjoys Christmas season giving gifts. Not always needs. Not always socks. Sometimes it's just fun stuff. It's the same way God is. And God, I trust in your in you with the lordship of my life where you say go even if I don't understand even if it's uncomfortable or new even if it's against the plans I already have Jesus I'll follow you your way is better I love you Christ help us to follow you this Christmas season for you are worthy in Jesus name Amen Thank you for listening I pray that the message gave you hope that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church slash give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.